for the benefit of those with flash photography. Welcome to DreamWork. I am Colin Delaney. In a moment, you will hear the voice of my tag team partner, Cheech. And uh, yeah, this is DreamWork, the only professional wrestling podcast about tag team wrestling by a real life tag team. And since you clicked it, you probably already know that. And you probably also already know that this week we are talking about the Bushwhackers. Um... I thought about this after we recorded, but it's possible that the Bushwhackers are actually one of the most universally known tag teams. You know, they came from that Hulkamania era where, like, wrestlers from that era are kind of household names. You know, you can ask uh, your uncle who knows nothing about wrestling what wrestlers he knows, and he'll probably spout off, like, Hulk Hogan, uh, Macho Man... Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jake the Snake. And if you ask him if he knows a tag team, he'll probably tell you the Bushwhackers. But the Bushwhackers actually started wrestling in the 60s, which we uh, uncovered in this. And it was uh, it was a fun ride to go back. If you've never gone back and watched the Bushwhackers before they were the Bushwhackers, holy smokes. Do yourselves a favor and after you listen to this podcast, not before, don't turn us off. Listen to us talk about them, then go watch The Sheep Herders because they were absolutely terrifying. And I think even though I know them best as the face-licking, uh, fun-loving bushwhackers, I'll never uh, not find them scary ever again. So without further ado, let's listen to it. This is us talking about the Bushwhackers. Cheech. What's up, buddy? Are you ready for this one? Yay! <laughs> I, I, I can't decide if I regretted my decision or uh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. The, so uh, we're we're talking bushwhackers, and or sheep herders, and, and or New Zealand militia, or they had a bunch, but yeah, bushwhackers slash sheep herders. The Kiwis. Yes. 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 Uh, numerous, numerous different names. Um, so uh, well, let's take a, an extra second on preliminary thoughts so I can give my thought process behind the team to the people. I, I mean, you know why it was my bizarre choice, but let's, let, me, let me explain to the people. I was going to say, I was going to say, you seem to have a, a lot of thoughts. Let me hear them. So uh, when we did the Holy Demon Army, uh, I had gone uh, through a list of Dave Meltzer five-star matches so I could get a tally of how many Kawada and Tawe had together and combined and all that. Yes, yes, yes. And while I was doing this, I noticed 
that one of the earliest Meltzer five-star matches, well, not one of the earliest, but one of the first five or six Meltzer five-star matches is the Sheep Herders against the Fantastics. And I thought that was so interesting. It definitely is. It very, like, it, it is in a lot of ways. Right, because when you think of Meltzer five-star matches, you think of these five-star classics. Like, what it takes to be a five-star match is, like, it's a lot, you know? Plus, let's, let's go even deeper. The match ends in a double DQ. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's, was it the quarter? No, 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 it was the semifinals, I believe, of the 86 Crockett Cup. So we're not talking a main event. We're not talking the finals of the tournament. And we're not even talking about a match that has like, oh, it has a crazy finish. Like, no, this match makes no sense when you think of a five-star match. No, and I didn't know any of this going in. I just knew that I saw it on a list, and I knew that the Sheep Herders were the Bushwhackers, and we know the Bushwhackers as the goofy, fun, uh, 90s, early 90s WWF team. So I was like, man, you know, I don't think I've ever really sunk in and watched some, like, Sheep Herders and some real, like, classic matches of theirs because i'm sure they have them so you know what let's give it a whirl and that that was my preliminary thoughts we'll go into mine was that any any wrestling historian will tell you oh blah 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 you need to see the bushwhackers before when they were the sheep herders or like i think it was Cornette i've heard or some other you know wrestling pundit historian who was like oh, it's so crazy they went to WWF where they were loved, whereas if you knew them from the territories, they were a legit scary team. And I was like, okay, I can kind of believe it somewhat. I mean, I'd seen a couple Sheep Herder matches in WCW and was like, okay, I, I kind of see what they're saying. So that was my preliminary thoughts. I was like, okay, I'm going to do what all the smart people say and see their back catalog and see if it's good or not. Yeah. Yeah, uh, agreed, and 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 I I I did it, and uh, <laughs> but uh, not for nothing. Despite what uh, I may or may not have gotten out of watching these matches, there is no denying that they are a classic. Uh, I mean, uh, a, a top tier tag team as far as so many other things go and i think when you when you we do talk about this team and when we talk about this thing this team uh watching their matches is only like so little of the story of who they are okay yeah i can see what you're saying i can see what you're saying but in your tone and inflection i'm like oh boy i think we're gonna have different thoughts <laughs> okay well i'm ex i'm excited i'm excited to hear yours um, let's get into their championships and accomplishments, which, as you can probably imagine, are a lot. Yeah, just based sheer, sheerly on longevity and the fact that they've wrestled everywhere, you're like, oh, they've got to have a laundry list of accomplishments. <laughs> so I put this stat on the end of the accomplishments, but I'm going to lead with it. They began teaming in 1966. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> 1966. 
It's just crazy to a think of wrestling in '66 and to think of a team as relevant to us now. You know, I mean, yes, we're older fans, but I'm just saying, like, the fact that a team from that started teaming in '66 is still relevant to us in 2021. You know, I mean, it's not like who are you talking about? Like, oh no, we absolutely know who the Bushwhackers are and the Sheepherders. That's why I said, like, no matter what uh, you think of their wrestling or you think of the Bushwhackers. Holy crap, when you realize that they started in 66, it makes you go, it, it, it gives you pause to go, wow, that's, I mean, unheard of, especially, I mean, for that time, for, for forever, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah, any way, shape, or form, you put that number of years on any team. Plus, once again, we're not talking like modern convenience, you know, it wasn't like they GPSed everywhere, you know what I mean? These, like, once, like what you said, them wrestling wasn't the only thing. Like, I think a big part is like, yeah, they also came from New Zealand and then just came to America and were like, we're going to be wrestlers here. Yeah. Started wrestling in New Zealand, came over to North America in like the early 70s, did a lot of Canada stuff, which we will lead into. Uh, so they are one time continental tag champs, okay. one time NWA Florida tag champs, uh, one time NWA Mid Atlantic tag champs. Three-time NWA Pacific Northwest Tag Champs, two-time UWF Tag Champs, two-time WWC Tag Champs, two-time Stampede Tag Champs, 2015 WWE Hall of Famers. Yeah, like like I said, there you go. And that's just a small like think when you think about that again. Mid Atlantic. So we're talking East Coast. We're talking Florida. Now you're at the South. Now you're talking Pacific Northwest. You're talking Oregon. Then you're talking Stampede, which is a couple hours north. Uh, UWF is Mid-South, so they're in Louisiana. They did stuff. I, I have matches I saw of them in Houston. Like, they were all over. Yeah, uh, WWC is Puerto Rico. Yeah. I want uh, some of that. <laughs> they are number 71 on the PWI Top 100 Teams of All Time list. Absolutely warranted. Absolutely. And then uh, they are they won the Wrestling Observer Award for Worst Tag Team of the Year in 92 and 94. The award is now defunct. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I was like, I don't really remember that, that award. <laughs> they won it twice. The last people to win it was La Resistance. <laughs> well, there are some parallels there. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and those are just I only listed the promotions that uh, I thought to be relevant because they're they're They held titles in plenty of other places. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm sure they also had them in New Zealand, too. But, I mean, Lord knows what like, gosh, I'm sure I might have to look. I bet you there is footage of them somewhere wrestling in New Zealand, somewhere on YouTube somehow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and if you look at like their cage match history after their WWF run, which, by the way, goes on way longer than you think, uh, they didn't really wrestle. It's not like they have like these weird like uh, BS indies in the 90s where they were winning tag titles because they were the Bushwhackers. That's not even it. You know, all their work was done while they were on the come up. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, because I think... Uh, I think like something happened with Butch. Like I I'm sure you've seen Luke at random indies every now and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Butch, Butch might have gone back to New Zealand. I was reading their their Wikipedia is kind of an interesting read because they do separate and come back to each other a couple different times. One time uh, they were over here, and then Luke I think just wanted to go and be with his like closer to family, so he went back, and then Butch stayed here and teamed with 
uh, Rip Morgan for a little while until he got hurt, and then Luke came back. And there's a there's a whole yeah there's a whole deal with them. But it's it, it is kind of an interesting read. Yeah, they like uh, just the sheer fact that they traveled all over, and then now that I got to deep dive into the matches, I was like, ooh, I got to look up like their shoot interview and get all the backstory on all this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would assume that uh, they started in '66. Their shoot interview is probably crazy. I know. And like, like we saw them at the, we all saw the Hall of Fame thing. Like they're still entertaining guys. So I'm sure an interview would for even longer would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into the matches that we watched. Where where did you go here, Cheech? Okay, I think I kind of went a little chronological, I believe, or somewhat. I just made sure, like that was the thing. I was like, okay, I know the Bushwhacker stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll try and skew away from that. And then I was like, okay. So I looked on the network and I was like, okay, have their WCW stuff too. I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, let me check on YouTube because I know they wrestled everywhere. And there, oh my God, did I find a treasure trove. So um, I started off early. Uh, Portland in 79 versus Ron Starr and Adrian Adonis. Um, then I went to Puerto Rico. I saw uh, in, in November 85 versus Carlos Colon and Great Kabuki. Then I saw them in Mid-South in a Texas Tornado tag match versus uh, Terry Taylor and Dr. Death in 86. Then I saw them um, – I, I got confused. I thought it was uh, – I was like, oh, it's a six-man, but it's wrestlers and their managers, and it was like a barbed wire cage. So I go, oh, God, that'll count. I, that's okay. But I got Jonathan Boyd confused with uh, – I don't know why. I thought he was Paul Jones, so I was like, Oh, no, that's what it was. Paul Diamond, I got confused with Paul Jones. And I was like, oh, it's their manager. And then I was like, that manager's kind of big. And then I was like, oh, it's Paul Diamond. I go, oh, it's just a six-man tag. I go, I'll throw it in there anyway. I'll throw it in there anyway. Just because I wanted to see what a barbed wire cage looked like in Memphis in 86. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, them and Jonathan Boyd versus the fabulous ones, uh, Stan Lane and Steve Kern with Paul Diamond uh, as their sixth man. Um, then I saw them again in Puerto Rico versus the Young Bloods, Mark and Chris in '87. Uh, then we had I went back to Portland in 1980 versus Piper and Martell, two out of three falls tag title match. I got them versus the Guerreros in Houston in '86. That one was real fun. Uh, them versus the Fabs, and it just says it was in Florida in the summer of '86, and that was just fun because I was like, "How nostalgic!" It was like we don't know the day, we just know summer of '86. These guys went out and kicked ass. Um, then I dug into the the Fantastics, uh, the the Crockett Cup match. Oh, it was quarterfinals. Okay, it was quarterfinals. The the five star match. I watched it again. Um, then I watched a uh, Dr. Death and Nikita from Clash of Champions three, then a rock and roll express at great American bash 88, then lightning express on a Saturday night in 88, then brain busters on a WWF prime time in 89. Then, uh, a Barry Horowitz and Ryan Wagner. Cause we know a Ryan Wagner and I just have to watch those <laughs> squash matches on a prime time in 89 natural disasters at SummerSlam 81 when they had Andre with them and then them versus well done on a raw where they had to think with them. Wow. Uh, so we, we had a lot of parallels here. Oh, cool. 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 Uh, so uh, I did not dip into 79, but I did start with the Martell and Piper from 82 out of three falls, which is great for the record. Right, so odd. Like, like everything about that match, you're just like, "Whoa, this is not who I think these guys are." And then I also watched the Guerreros match from Houston. I also watched them versus Doctor Death and Terry Taylor in the uh, the brawl. I watched them against the Bruise Brothers. 
which was not the Bruise Brothers that I knew, but a very strange and interesting tag team. Uh, I watched them against the Rock and Roll Express in the Crockett Cup before the Fantastics match. And then uh-huh. I watched the Fantastics match. Uh, then uh, I watched the Lightning Express match. Uh, I watched them against Tommy Angel and Larry Stevens. Because once again, another fun job match. I, I also watched the Brain Busters match. Uh, I watched them against Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill from 1991 in Rochester, New York. Whoa. Uh, I watched them against Money, Inc. from WrestleFest 92. And then I also finished with them against Well Done on Raw 94 with The Fink because it is their last televised match that you can find on the network. Oh, is it? Wow. I just saw Well Done and was like, ooh, a Well Done match. (laughs) Yeah, they they technically have TV matches after that. Uh, that's 94. In 95, they wrestled the Body Donnas in the opening round of a tag title tournament. Wow. See, that's what made me mad was a little bit was, okay, I was like, all right, I have my preliminary thoughts. I know the Bushwhackers. I won't really concentrate on it. I was like, I think I ought to go back and dip into some more just because I was like, wow, it, like, it took, like watching them as sheep herders totally recontextualized Bushwhackers for me. It makes the idea of the Bushwhackers nuts. Right? Like, like I totally, write this down, everybody. I totally understood what Jim Cornette meant. <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, like, who thought that taking these two guys who were like badass New Zealand brawlers to make them into this goofy wacky tag team in WF. Who did that to them? Uh, okay, I say Vince, and I say it was genius. I can't decide if I love it or hate it, though. Now now going back and watching, because in no way, shape, or form at any point did you get even a, a, a glimpse of that, not even a, a, a sliver of it at all in these matches. Okay, you know why I think it was genius? is because, like I said, I watched it somewhat chronologically. By the time they got to WWF, um, at least Luke was definitely slowing down. Yeah, well, I even wrote down in the Lightning Express match in 1988 that you can already start seeing their age. I was going to say, think about it. They've already been tagging 22 years at that point. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I think Luke was born, I think they were both born in the 1940s. Yeah, so that was the thing. Like when they went to W, like because I think I like I said, yeah, towards the end of WCW stuff, I was like, ooh, you know, they're definitely not what they were when they were on like you know the the NWA circuit. Yeah, yeah, like uh, eighty six, eighty six is kind of their peak, or at least for things that I I was able to find because that's when they're doing all the NWA stuff. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. Yeah. I kind of wish I could find more of their like Portland stuff because that match with Martel and Piper is a lot of fun. And like, well, let's get to it. The sheer aesthetics. I was like, like the news, like, like they don't even look like the Bushwhackers. They're in weird tights that are all multicolored. Like they almost, they almost look like Doink the Clown gear almost. They look like uh, Eugene. And they've got wild, crazy hair, and they're and they're young, so like they look young, which I don't know, just makes them scarier somehow. <laughs> like they even even though they had less gig marks, like they still look like Butch 
is a goddamn revelation. I, I use that term a lot on this, but he, oh my God, uh, he, he, he just sprung up high on my list. The first thing I noticed is just like their wild, unusual, unorthodox movements, just in everything they did, the way they walked, the way they struck, the way they sold, everything they did was it's they're one of one doing it, or I guess two of two doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're very unique. Like, and it's weird because you like it's almost like they're doing like a savage gimmick, but like nothing like Kamala. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they like WWF just took what they were and like turned the, the level up past a hundred to where it became goofy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And literally just like turned it like I would I wouldn't say a few degrees. They definitely turned it quite a bit, but they just turned it towards towards like being good guys. Like cuz when I'm watching I'm like, okay, Luke is definitely being a little more animated and like but it's totally just in the way you contextualize it cuz like you could also see Luke doing eye pokes and biting people in the butt and that'd be a total heel thing in Portland. But when you when you just, you know, put them under the construct of they're good guys in the WWF like Oh, all the little kids are laughing. Like Butch, I don't think wrestled all that different. It's just now every time he goes to the crowd, he's not giving them crap. He's just going, yay, like, come on me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, whereas before it would always be like, beat the guy up. He'd always, he always would work the crowd and yell at them, but it was always yelling at them. Now it was like, oh, cheer for me. Yay, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, he, it's not all that different. It's just how you, how you frame it. Uh. Yeah, no, I, and 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 the the iconic uh, bushwhackers walk. They always kind of did it, but it was just way over exaggerated. Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was it was like their weird. Um, I wouldn't say weird. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't know. It was they had their little flag salute gimmick they would do in other places where they did have a little bit of the you know they would walk in place and then they would do the big and then they do the big salute. So it was kind of very similar, like, to the walk-in place, but they just, you know, turned it up a bunch of notches. Yeah, and sometimes Butch would, like, walk around the ring like that, like, at people. He would, like, walk away and then walk back and strike them with those big, exaggerated, like, march almost. It's just, like, the same thing. Just, like, it's almost hard to say turned up because it's, like, turned a completely different direction. It's, like, flipped 180 degrees. Yeah, it's so nuts. Like, and and th that's what I liked and appreciated about it is that it wasn't just like, oh, these guys are madmen and they're all right. You know what I mean? They're wrestling like Kamala. You know what I mean? Like, it, I felt like so many guys fell into that trope, but like they were like, no, we are from New Zealand. Our savagery is a little different. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it would. I don't know. I just blame it on like, oh, everything's a little different because they're from New Zealand. They get it. Like, they're they're not just from like. They're not from Japan where they're like, oh, that means we got to do karate chops and kicks. And you know what I mean? Like they're from New Zealand. They could kind of make what they want of that. You know what I mean? Like no one in the world really goes like no one thinks of New Zealanders as savages. And you don't necessarily think of them as like aristocratic gentlemen. So they could kind of make whatever they want out of it. And they made gold. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so while we're still on the on the early, early, what were your thoughts on them cutting a promo at ringside getting interviewed after the second fall of a two on three falls match. 
I don't know. I thought it, I was like, I was like, is this a, I didn't know almost in my brain. I was like, did they like, is this a pre-tape? I was like, but no, it couldn't be a pre-tape because they're referencing what happened in the match. And then I was just like, it just must be a Portland thing. It had to just be a Portland thing. I was, because when it first started, I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's two out of three falls, but the challengers have to pin them twice maybe, and they only have to win once. And then, nope. Not true. It's just a it's just a, a a ringside interview after the second fall of a two out of three falls match. Yeah, like in my head, I was like, oh, I guess if they both split falls, they get an intermission. Almost is the way I thought of it. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I what? was like, and, okay, here's where it gets even weirder. It's not like okay, maybe I'm wrong or I remember it wrong. Like it wasn't like the interview was at ringside. It was like they went to the back and like got a breather or something, right? I felt like, so, uh, I don't know. Um, I assumed that it was like NWA studio style where that set is just like next to ringside. Okay. Yeah. But you, I mean, it didn't look like they were necessarily like, it didn't look like they got out of the ring and went and talked. It looked like they almost like took a shower or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Portland was crazy. And that's the thing we were watching was the, 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 the thing on YouTube. It's just their TV. So it just cuts back and all of a sudden they're just talking to them. And you're like, wait, what the hell's going on? Like, did they not do a third fall? And then I was like, oh no, they're totally talking about the match and how they're going to get after this commercial, they'll get back to the match. And sure enough, there's a commercial break comes back and they were in the ring. And I'm like, oh wow, that's but just must be a Portland thing. Yeah. So the match is like the, the whole thing is like 30 minutes long. It's two out of three falls. The sheep herders against Rick Martell, a very young Rick Martell and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, if if you are a human being who only knows the goofy bushwhackers, go watch this match. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The thing I took away that I was going to tell people, I was like, um, okay, maybe this is a little, okay, I'll cut it. I was going to be like, if you go watch 10 sheep herder matches and don't tell me your mind isn't blown, I'll say fine. Go watch just five matches. Just go look up sheep herders because you don't really know. And you're like, oh, versus any five years. Tell me your mind doesn't get blown. Because I was just like, they're like, Butch is legit scary looking. Like, he's got his crazy eye, but with the crazy hair and, like, the gear that makes no sense and, like, the fact that, like, they attack, they punch, they kick. It's nothing mind-blowing. But, like we said, their movements make it look that much scarier. And in 1980, like, I don't know if there was anything like it. But that, right. you know, that could still wrestle. Like, yeah, there were the savage gimmicks, but, like, you know what I mean? Kamala wasn't necessarily going to necessarily start busting out wrestling moves. These guys could. Well, right, and that's why I say, like, they were scary. And and when you know them as the sheep herders, even when you watch them as the bushwhackers, you kind of go, oh, they're still scary. Yeah, like I said, when I started watching the bushwhacker matches, now all of a sudden it had this whole new light on it because I was just like, wait, no, I do kind of want to see what they're like as good guys now being, you know, like taking no nonsense. Yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was super, because I, I always watch in that order, uh, like in chronological order, and this one especially, it it makes you go, oh wow! They even as even as good guys, even as the goofy super over good guys, they're still two scary dudes, and they're big. Yeah, like uh, like they're in shape. Like the thing is, they're heavily covered, so you can't really tell. But when you're watching match after match after match, and not to mention like 
they obviously have good cardio because like their output is high. Like, you know what I mean? I was expecting, oh, sheep herders. Okay. They're bad guys. Maybe they're a little more chin lock heavy. They're not. And if anything, what I noticed was, and I liked is that when they put a heat on a team, uh, the beginning is usually the strikes. They usually like Luke don't slap that, that chin lock on usually until like five minutes into the heat. Right. Yeah. No, uh, what I noticed uh, about them and so one of my my big notes about them after watching a couple matches i realized that they work the body like most of their strikes are body strikes and then their finish is the the battering ram to the gut and usually a double gut buster yeah they weren't messing around they went straight for it oh yeah like and the other thing okay while we're covering the other thing that blew me away is like their matches psychology wise are amazing Oh, yeah. I mean, spot on. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like you were talking a little bit last week about how Mustache Mountain's great, but at a point they get a little formulaic. I never knew what I was going to get flipping on one of these matches. And usually uh, that's I mean, I was right. I was like, oh, yep. Wouldn't have wouldn't have thought that one. Yeah, I was blown away that their heats were so entertaining. Like, I would have thought, like, oh, okay, they're bad guys, and then they're going to punch, kick, choke, and then it's just going to be boring. Like, no, it was never boring. Like like we said with other teams, they had a real good, like, metronome of, like, okay, when do we bring it up? When do we bring it down? When do we bring it up? When do we bring it down? And then all the finishes, like, you know, in my mind, you know, you know, they play the savages, and, like, like we've listed, they wrestle a who's who's list of opponents. So they're wrestling all these great guys. So at first I didn't want, but like, I didn't want to give them so much credit, but after watching all these matches and they all have great finishes, I go, it's gotta be them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and at times like, like that Dr. Death, Terry Taylor match, you can tell Dr. Death is green, green, <laughs> bro. That match was awesome though. Yeah. But you can tell, like uh, you can tell that the sheep herders are kind of leading dr death around and like leading him where to go and kind of terry taylor to to an extent too all right side tangent can we talk about how scary young dr death is oh yeah because he's he's giant and just uh, this ball of of energy he doesn't know what to do with did you see how he stepped over the top onto the second like you do when you do your step in stunner yeah I was blown away. Then there's another one where he's literally just standing on the second, waiting for the guy to get in possession, steps one foot to the third, and is just chilling there. I was like, that is so hard for 300-pound men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just sitting there chilling like, oh, no, I'm athletic as fuck. I got – like, you know what I mean? Like, it was – I was just like, whoa, he's he's scary athletic right now. <laughs> That's 19, but yeah, 1986. And oh my God, once here's perfect psychology. Terry Taylor keeps whipping them one by one into Dr. Death to give him the big tackle or the spear, whatever you want to call it. After like four in a row, they're like, oh, let's give him the big one. Now Dr. Death's going to run off the ropes. Lady Maxine trips him. I'm like, holy shit, this shit's so fucking good. Let me see. I, I think I wrote it all down. Uh, da, 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 uh, where's the match? I got to find the match. Lady Maxine, for the record, was a fox. Oh, yeah, here we go. Hell breaks loose. Dr. Death slams Jack Victory into the ring. Taylor uh, rolls up Luke behind the ref's back. Lady Max distracts, and then Luke and Victory hit Taylor with the flag for the one, two, three. But, like, yeah, yeah, here he was. He keeps getting thrown out, thrown out, thrown out, thrown out. And then um, 
yeah, he goes to run off the ropes. Lady Maxine low bridges. He goes outside. That's where all the hell breaks loose. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Like they build everything up and then they throw the curveball. And I'm like, wow, it, it happens in so many matches. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it, 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 it looks like they're just doing it. It looks like there's no purpose to it. You know, they almost lull you into it because he's just he's just mowing him down and he's going to keep mowing him down. And then you're like, really, you're going to keep mowing him down. And then all of a sudden, when he goes to hit the ropes, low bridge. Yeah, there were so many times where they had such good psychology of like, all right, you do it two times. And on the third time, there's the screwball or they were real good at uh, making the, or their opponents were good at making them slip on banana peels and they'd hit each other and yada, 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 stuff like that all the time. Like, I really liked the uh, I don't know which Rock and Roll Express one you watch, but I liked it because like the sheep herders fit perfect for that type of team which we'll get into the five-star match i'll discuss why i think that worked out so well but first with the rock and rolls once again it kind of falls a little bit into the rock and rolls formula so i think that's what hampers it whereas i feel like with the fantastics is a little not formulaic but what do you think about their rock and roll stuff i thought it was good because i thought like all four were around like i just feel like they're the four sizes and speeds all worked well Yes, so I watched the rock and roll match first. The rock and roll match that I oh, watched. Oh, okay, that's a different one. I watched the Great American Bash. I had seen the quarterfinals one too, but I, okay. Yeah, I watched the one that came right before the Fantastics one, and I watched it before I watched the Fantastics match. So I, in my head, I was like, well, I mean, the Fantastics are just kind of a, a, a poor man's rock and roll to an How extent. How dare you? I How mean, they are, they I know, I know that that's the, I know. And that's the prevailing opinion. I get it. I know what you mean. So when I watched them against rock and roll, I was like, well, how can the fantastics one be much better than this? Because this was, this is exactly what I thought the fantastics one would be, you know, kind of. Yeah. I thought it'd be along the same vein. So, but I know I enjoyed it and I thought the same thing. I, I would have liked to have seen more of them versus teams like that. Okay, so here's my big hypothesis or my theory on why they're matching they're better with the Fantastics. Because the Fantastics um I said they're the same they're they're opposite sides of the same coin because they're kind of like the heel and or kind of like babyface version of one another where they're not the top good guys and the like the Fantastics are not or Fantastics are not the top good guys. Uh, sheep herders are not the top bad guys so they kind of have to work a little different to be noticed they kind of have to be more unorthodox and they kind of have to be a little more more fighty you know what i mean so when the the reason the fantastics match i think gets the five stars is because it's unorthodox there's not a huge like formula to it and they brawl like that's one thing the fantastics did better than rock and roll and i feel like that's how they they uh they were like, we can compete with rock and roll. We're better brawlers. They would use tables. They had brawls. Uh, you know what I mean? Their famous brawl at, with uh, the, the pistols, the young guns, and the ones with midnights usually have a lot of brawling involved. This one had the same thing, brawl, brawl, brawl to the double DQ. And I just think because they weren't the top guys, you know what I mean? Like Sheepers were never the top heel tag team. Fantastics were never the top baby face tag team. So they had to work harder and that thus they were more unorthodox. And that's why I think they were better than when, when the Sheepers had to work the rock and roll. Cause rock and roll were like, Oh no, we're always the top guys. We could be a little more formulaic. Yeah, I, I can, I can see that. Cause this match, uh, it, it's, it's got kind of, a, it's got a fun shine in the beginning, but kind of a fun shine that you would see 
like the rock and roll do. You know, it's got that in and out drop kicks, posing, you know, firing up the crowd in and outs as a shine. And then, uh, uh, brother hits the, who hits the post F- uh, Fulton, right? Yep. 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 Hits the post. And then there's blood. And, uh, there's something to be said. I, I was saying it before. There's something about a match going from regular to all the sudden blood out of nowhere that kind of ups it for this weird, like almost shock factor, but it, it ups the intensity and it kind of ups the stakes. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes bleeding can almost take away, whereas this totally accentuated, but that, which I mean, unfortunately was kind of a trope of especially this time in NWA WCW, you know what I mean? Everybody's getting color off the post almost, but like this, once again, I think cause this was still, it was established. They weren't getting these two, you know, teams don't get along, but I feel like it was just bubbling. And this kind of was the big thing to pop it off. And I think once again, that's what made it five stars. It's a hell of a, like if you're, it's a five star match. If you're looking for to, uh, pop off a feud and not be the main event and just be a quarterfinal match. You know what I mean? Like it didn't have all the glitz and glamor. So, so that was, so that's a part of it. You just touched on like back in that time, that was a trope and people were bleeding a bunch. So, cause at first I was like, Oh, maybe it's cause they, they bled a bunch and it got crazy out of nowhere. And that's what kind of upped it and made it five stars. But I was like, I feel like people were bleeding a bunch in that era. I think it got five stars because it was the best match that it could like, you know what I mean? That's the best match that could be in that spot. You know what I mean? Like I said once before, it wasn't a main event. It wasn't something that was going to have a great finish. You know what I mean? It was just a, that was the best quarterfinal match you could get in a random ass tag tournament. You know what I mean? I didn't look it up, but I'm, I'm probably going to after this, I'd be interested to read what, like Melter's actual review and thoughts when he gave it five stars. Did he watch it live in the moment? You know, because uh, I can, because it's possible that it's almost like uh, you ever gone to see a movie that you had no expectations for, that you were just like, oh yeah, I guess I'll go see this. And then it's awesome. And it might not be the greatest movie that was ever made, but to you, it's like one of the greatest things you ever saw because you had no expectations. And then this movie is like really, really good. That's uh Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I purposely go out of my way to try and have, I'll go into a movie and know everything about it, but I won't put expectations on it. Cause that's my favorite thing. I love so many crap movies. Cause I was like, what did you expect? Yeah. I remember like I went to the drive-in one time. I went to see uh the Spider-Man the f- the first one of the new set. Uh okay. which was good and I enjoyed it a bunch, but it was with Baby Driver, which I had literally never even seen a trailer for. Uh-huh, go on. And then Baby Driver came on and I was like, "Oh, I'll watch this." And I was like, "Holy crap, that movie was unbelievable." We can have a side tangent about Baby Driver. Let's not get distracted. <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm the same way. Like, I I like the well, a categorically bad movie is most people won't even know is the Pan remake. That's just called Pan. Oh, yeah. It's wacky and weird, but like just caught me on the right day, and I was like, I have no problem with that movie. I know it's not good, but yeah, if it catches you the right way on the right day, so maybe that is. And I would guess 
Meltzer being the Crockett Cup in 86 was probably a hot ticket. He may have gone to it. Yeah, so what I'm saying is Bushwhackers Fantastics was Dave Meltzer's baby driver. <laughs> Which sounds like a wrestling move, like, oh, Dave Meltzer hit him with the baby driver. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I when you put five stars on it, especially nowadays with how many five stars we have and, and having seen all these five-star matches and, and having expectations – there is expectations on a five-star match, and I do not believe that this match lives up to that. I don't think it does either, but when you watch the match, you're like, this is a really good match, though. You know what I mean? Like it's You're a- like, okay, it's not five stars, but you're like, okay, if you are going to do a match with a non-finish, basically, like that's probably really good. It's up there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's it, it honestly is. And that's where I ended my watching for Sheep Herders so I could get into some Bush. I made sure to save that one for last. So that's okay. the, I was like, it's got to be good. It got five stars. Let me have that be the lasting impression I have of them before I go in to the Bushwhackers. Oh, no, no. See, I still had other stuff that I wanted to look at. But even before that, like, let's talk about, like, their match with the Guerreros I saw in Houston was great because the Guerreros are always great. But what I liked about it is, like, the Guerreros, and it's even, it's funny, I guess it was a thing their, their whole entire family did. Like, they very much would, like, almost lie, cheat, and steal, kind of. Like, they were almost like Hogan baby faces where, like, they would do heel things, but they were just so over the crowds. Like, yep, that's fine. Yeah, they were they were, like crazy over in houston and they would do like the they would almost do the reverse of what the bushwhackers did a lot or the the sheep herders did a lot where you know draw the ref so you can switch guys or so you can you know cheat i totally like that dynamic and then i also loved and they were also known for this was their big feud with the fabulous ones i caught a couple of those those were real fun just because once again same size guys like in that era, guys of that size were kind of normal, especially in places when you're wrestling in, like, Florida. And, you know, it was perfect. It was mean, ugly, bad guys versus white meat baby faces. Like, like um, not going to lie, their, ze- their, their white base, black uh, zebra skin tights, I'm like, yo, those, are, those shits look tight, bro. They look good. <laughs> I was like, wow, those are dope gear. It's real simple, but they look good. And then, oh, my God the barbed wire match they had in memphis they literally just wore trunks and leather chaps over it i was like oh no 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 that's no no you ain't getting me no barbed wire just wearing trunks and chaps for a barbed wire match yeah but the barbed cage was really weird it was literally like they put posts in the corner and literally just had like 10 strands wrapped like every like foot there was a strand yeah, I, th- I feel like I've seen uh, a weird Memphis cage situation before, and I, the Memphis cage situation is always weird. But I feel like that's one of those ones where I was like, okay, when I picture sheep herders, I'm like, oh, okay. I think of like old PWI magazines of them bleeding in some wacky Memphis uh, barbed wire or something. Because what was it? I think I saw some stat, and I think it might be them being, you know, Hulk Hogan and being like, we had 37 barbed wire matches in a row. I was like, okay, I'm sure you had a lot. 37. 37- could probably be true. <laughs> it probably is. Uh, we didn't. So the the latest of the, at least chronologically, that I watched from their WCW stuff was the Lightning Express. I didn't know that the Lightning Express. I feel like I've come across them once, but man, uh, I I kind of want to dive in on the Lightning Express. 
I don't think they had a big run though. That's the only problem. And yeah, That's you know that. Sad. I don't know which one you saw. I saw one from Saturday night, and it was great. And it was just like I just kept being like, uh, my notes are like, Lightning Express clear the ring with drop kicks. Brad is so good. Yeah, Brad- they clear the ring with drop kicks. Brad is so good. <laughs> and he looks great. He looks like a million dollars. Oh, uh, dude, in my mind, I was like, if Brad could have only gotten a good partner. You know what I mean? Like, okay, here was a thought I had, and we'll get into it in this. Uh, we'll go even further deeper. Like, if if Lightning Express was flying Brian and Brad, and they gave it a push, you got something. But like Tim Horner, while good and that white meat baby face, just he it just didn't mesh because he couldn't keep up with Brad. Well, who could? But I love that. Like, the, one of my favorite spots is because they did it in an. Oh well, okay. The sheep herders try to do twin magic where they're behind the rest back, they switch, and he gives the big one, two, and then Brad slides in and grabs Teddy Long's doing a, uh, is the ref. And he grabs and goes, grabs him by his head, he points him, he goes, look, 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 points his head at both of them, goes, look, no, 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 it doesn't work. And I was like, only Brad Armstrong can get away. Like, he's that credible as a babyface to be like, no, referee, look, it's the wrong guys. And the ref's like, oh, no, yeah, how dare they? No, no, you tag back out, you tag back out, and they go right back in. And then, uh, one of the Fabs matches, they pull that. The Fabs do it to them. They are distracting the ref the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. Finally, they're distracting the ref. They do twin magic, which works because, once again, they're wearing the same gear and they're both blonde hair. And if you're just pinning the guy, the head's covered. Once again, like we said earlier, great finishes. They always have great finishes. And uh, uh, they, man, back in the mid to late 80s, I would say, probably even a bit earlier than that, the ref uh, in tag matches was a busy man. Oh, yep, absolutely. He and was super pivotal. And had to be competent because in some of those matches where the ref is seems less competent, when you get like one of those random officials that you don't really recognize, it's noticeable. Yeah, and especially because, once again, like we said, they had good psychology. There were plenty of matches where it was like, oh, no, no, the ref would get in and be like, no, 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 Butch, you're out. No, 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 you get back out. I didn't say nothing. And it was like, oh, wow. Or I think I saw... I think it might have been one of the Portland ones, and it's Sandy Barr was the ref who's the promoter. So, of course, he knew what was going on. Did one of the matches, something went wacky, and he was like, no, 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 I'm going to let it keep going. And I was like, wow, that's kind of ballsy for a ref to do at that time. But then I was like, oh, he's the booker. It's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, like uh, they, they do a lot of uh, uh, a lot of heart foundation, uh, or a lot of early heart foundation stuff where they are are in and out on the ref over and over and over. Okay, now, here is a big comparison that I think is weird, wacky, and I'll get into it now. I see a lot of similarities between the Sheep Herders and the Hollywood Blondes. Oh, yeah, you lost me there. Okay, in here's how. Remember when we were covering the Blondes, and we're like, wow, A, they take too much, and in certain matches, the Sheep Herders do nothing but take moves. Yes. You know what I mean? Depending who they're facing, they'll flip-flop and fly for everyone the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. And then the other thing I liked is, like, they 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 took too much, and they always did, like, the bare minimum to get the heat or to get the turnaround. Like, there's so many times in these matches where it's, like, they're shine, 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 eye rake, body slam, there's the turnaround. You know what I mean? Whereas one thing I remember when we were covering the Blondes is, like, oh, wow, like, all their cutoffs were kind of small because, like, they were always – facilitating the match you know what i mean whereas like whereas like i would have thought the blondes would have gone with super fancy stuff it was like no their cutoffs always made sense they were always kind of minimalistic 
Same thing with the sheep herders, except, of course, they have very different gimmicks. But I'm saying as far as like work rate wise, I go, they're kind of very similar bad guy teams. Yeah, wow. I mean, uh, I can see kind of what you're saying, because one of the things that we loved about the blondes was how they didn't do anything and and almost. But like (laughs) with the sheep herders, it, it okay. With the blondes, it seemed intentional. Like they were doing it on purpose. Like they could do any move that you could think of and they could do all this stuff and they could move real fast and do stuff, but they didn't. They just kicked you. With the sheep herders, I don't feel like they could do it if they tried. So, but still, it's, I get what you're saying. It's the same kind of, you know. I kind of thought that too. But then after watching so many matches and so many clever spots, I was like, yo, I bet you if, the, if, if, they wanted to like they could do like a, a a spot fest match like they have plenty of tricks in the in their arsenal you know what i mean that was one thing that struck me watching them over but once again you're watching them over what 20 30 years we've almost been watching them but you know what i mean like their bag of tricks was deep like they always had good hope spots if it was either getting face heat taken on them or putting heel heat on a face like as i was watching i just gained more and more respect and i was like they could have done more Whereas, like, same thing we thought with the blondes. Like, oh, they could do more flashy stuff, but they don't. They're just being bare minimum. Like, no, we're bad guys. We're going to cut them off, and that's it. Whereas I feel like the Bushwhackers did the same thing, or Sheep Herders. And then the other comparison, maybe you'll find this a little bit more. I found Butch to be very Steve Austin, Perpetual Motion 92 era. Oh, yeah, no, I'll give you that one. He was, he's always doing something. Right, he's nonstop movement. He'll love to get in there and punch, 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 and then take, 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 take. And I was like, wow, he's kind of like a Steve Austin. And he, yeah, like I was saying before, like he's not just going to stand there and stomp you. He'll stomp around the entire ring and get back to you. It's like, man, you are like not for nothing. You don't got to do all that, brother. <laughs> yeah, no, they were. They definitely were heels where they let you sell, like. They would punch you three times in the corner, and then, yeah, they would just walk around the ring. They'd do a big old lap and then come back to you and start kicking you. And I was like, I appreciated it. But, like, okay, same thing, like I said, with the blondes. You'd think that doing bare minimum and taking heat in these somewhat longer matches, it never was boring. Yeah, no, uh, definitely not. Uh, And there's something to be said about that because nowadays we're – I don't know if we're trained to think that uh, the heat sequence is boring or just we're getting boring heat sequences fed to us, but I find nothing boring about them just beating some guys up. Oh, and le- okay, let's get to this point, which we've brought up plenty of times, which I need to make this distinction. You brought up Heart Foundation. They do remind me of Heart Foundation, especially in the fact that they always have an entourage. But like I was confused, I was like, Heart Foundation are one of the best like technically tag teams out there. Why do they need all the bells and whistles? Sheep herders, I understood why they had all the bells and whistles. You know what I mean? While they were great workers, their gimmick was they weren't going to be technical wrestlers. You know what I mean? I always think it's weird when you, like, if you're a good wrestler wrestler, you don't need a manager to help you take advantage. But if, yeah, if you're bad guys who are, you know, savages and you're just punch kick guys, you'll do you'll take advantage any way you can get it. So that's why they always had a flag bearer. They, and then I loved it when they had Lady Maxine. I was like, oh, even better when they have a flag bearer and a manager. And they would always use them. Like, especially when they got to WCW, there was always inevitably behind the ref's back, someone was getting hit with the flag. And Lady Maxine is a fox. Oh, yeah. And she's a big woman, too. Like, she's tall and gorgeous. 
total babe. I was like, who is this? Where did she come from? And where did she go? She had like this, this almost Mad Max look to her. I want to just believe because they were like, oh, Mad Max is an Australian movie. They're from New Zealand. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but then, so, okay, we've talked up the sheepherders. Now we get, they finally get the call. They do what all old-timers say. They're like, oh, I made my money. I did everything. Now it's time to go to WWF and be a star and make the big bucks and, you know, work the big circuits. And that's what they did, and it was so crazy how they turned everything on their head to be good guys, like we said earlier. But, like, it was weird because I saw them doing such good work as bad guys. I was like, I can't wait to see what work they do as good guys. So one of the first VHS tapes I owned as a child we got from Sam's Club. And the main event of it was uh, Ted DiBiase, Randy Savage in a cage. But throughout the VHS, it was just like one of those random Coliseum home video volume whatevers. Yeah. And randomly throughout it, it was all of the the videos leading up to the Bushwhackers debut. All their like uh mean gene like finding them in the woods and like introducing the bushwhackers so like that was the very first vhs team of wrestling i ever owned oh so you know all about them bushwhackers yeah but now thinking about like imagine because that's like it's the almost it's like the same year where we're seeing them wrestle the lightning express the same year wwf is rolling out these goofy vignettes imagine being just like a hardcore wrestling fan and you have seen these sheep herders for the last couple of years and then you like get wwf tv and see them like rolling around in the bushes with mean gene okerland and licking faces yeah or if you're one of those fans from portland who's like boy i wonder whatever happened to that team that i was scared to death of when i was nine now it's like <laughs> nine years later you're 18 and suddenly they're on they're on USA Network, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, crazy, crazy. Uh, I, the Brain Busters match, the first one I watched of the of Bushwhackers stuff, and it's good, and it's fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, yeah, it was the first one I did, too. Like, it caught my eye right away. I was like, oh, no, I got to see this. And, yeah, because, once again, I feel like it was still early in their WWF run, so I feel like they were still working. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they were like, okay, we've got to be goofy. So they got goofy for, like, the first two minutes, and then it was just a good wrestling match. Yeah, but even the goofy was still work. It was fun. Like, uh... Oh, absolutely. Of course it worked. But, like, you know what I mean? In my head, I was like, I really just want to see what these guys would be, like, mixing it up. I love the opening spot of that match where Arn gets, I think it's Butch back to the ropes. Ref goes in between them. Arn goes to punch. Ref stops. Butch punches him. Yeah, no, I love it. And it was just fun to see the roles reverse because now they have to clear the ring. And it's like, they ain't doing drop kicks. <laughs> nope, nope. They sure aren't. Uh, they, I mean, their clotheslines were pretty pretty uh, subpar if, if I can uh, take a <laughs> quick shot at the Bushwhackers. Oh, Luke! Luke's "I'm gonna miss a clothesline" was bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even in that match in '89, I mean, they they get the win by countout over the Brainbusters. Brainbusters were champs at the time. Okay, and let's talk about it. once again how their their bag of tricks is super deep. The, the finish is so weird; it's something I've never seen. It's Brainbusters are beating on Luke on the outside. Uh, they line it up so you know they're kind of in line with the ring. Tully grabs Luke's arms behind him. 
Arn's about reaches back for the big punch. And then Luke does, you would think like a baseball slide drop kick. No, baseball slide headbutt into the into the back of Tully's head, which sends him and Luke into Arn, wipes them out. Butch rolls out, throws Luke in, and then they win by count out. I was like, that's so weird, but like makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't mad at it at all. I was like, oh, that's clever. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty into it. Yeah, I, I found so many times I'd be like, blah, blah, blah. They do this, yada, yada, yada. Oh, a really good finish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, the well done match. That's like that's that's the end. This is we're talking December 1994. Yep. These these two men started wrestling in 1966 together. We are almost to 1995, and they are still at it and wrestling well done, uh, a young, up-and-coming WWF team in end of 1994 on Monday Night Raw. Uh, we're stealing Well Done's double team where he does the leapfrog into the two boots and the DDT. Oh, but that's, like, that's my big takeaway from this match it was so interesting to see the bushwhackers have to take moves and not that that's like a big move or a big sequence or anything but it's more than i saw them do or take wise in, in any of the matches really which once again why i say I, if they wanted to have like a spot match i'm sure they could with ease it was super interesting though to watch them wrestle. They had, there's another one with Well Done from I think the week yep. before or two weeks before this last one with the Fink, and I I almost it almost made me go, oh I kind of want to watch them do more. I did look to see if they had the Superstars match with the Body Donnas because there is a Superstars match against the Body Donnas, which is probably awesome. It's probably just not on the network yet. They probably haven't got up to that yet. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Superstars is only up to like ninety two or ninety three on there, I think. Oh, WWE Network, we're gonna need you to get. 1995 because it's like mid 95 too we're talking like july 95 these dudes are almost at their 30 year anniversary of wrestling and uh are on tv in a tag title tournament but yeah but still here wait let's get back still yes that's great but even even as far back as the one we were we were able to watch december of 94 once again fun match and once again great finish like well done's gonna do the double team, and then nope, Luke pulls him out, and then okay, so now Fink, uh, now Harvey Whippleman's gonna get in. Oh no, Fink pulls him out. Like you know what I mean, they neutralize their opponents, and then Butch just sat on him and, got, and pulled the legs up, and then one, two, three. I was like, genius! Oh, it's just so good. And once again, not like you know, they didn't feel like oh no no. You know, I mean, they didn't fall for modern day tropes of like, oh, no, that's not enough. That finish is perfect and makes sense. Well, no, we'll have them kick out and then we'll give them our big finisher. It was like, no, it just made sense. One, two, three. And the crowd loved it. Yeah. And uh, not for nothing. It may seem like just uh, a simple whatever pin finish. Uh, you know how many people would mess that up? Oh, exactly. That's the thing. Like, not only are these great finishes that they're doing, but like they're not easy. Like, it could easily be screwed up, but once again, they're in there with good opponents always. You know what I mean? Like, once again, the, the other guys on the other side of the verses are amazing teams. Let me tell you, uh, these intricate sequences and spots to get to a finish, uh, sure, are difficult. But what's way more difficult is uh, getting the, the, the perfect timing of, of having all those people involved and still making it work and and you know, making it work that perfectly. They make it look easy. 
I know it's crazy. It's just crazy because you know what I mean. For us, we're about the same age. If you were born in the eighties, what you know of seeing the Bushwhackers, like you know what I mean? In my mind, I would have thought like, oh, there's probably going to be some rough matches. Like, do you remember any of the matches where anything got super botched or super like went and like any finish that fell apart? Like, no. No, uh, I mean, some things were just like sign of the times where they, yes. you could tell they were more just working. So like it didn't get messed up. It was just uh, a little, uh, a little, I don't know, a little, a little off, but that's just kind of how it was working. You know, it wasn't, they didn't mess anything up. Yeah. They, like we said, they weren't smooth wrestlers. They weren't supposed to be. No, no. And, and, and actually, uh, it made me wish that I could see them wrestle like other brawl teams. I wish I got to see them brawl more. I wish I got, you know, as crazy as that sounds, I wish in that sheep herders era, I got to see them wrestle. Like I can't, I can't even think of who I would want them to wrestle, but like just another team they could just get crazy with. No. Cause yeah, the Texas tornado tag with uh, Terry Taylor and Dr. Death. I was like, they actually have entertaining, like in ring brawling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way. I don't think there's any. I I really don't think there's anybody who could be like, okay, just do in-ring brawling. Not around the ring, in-ring brawling and entertain me. I don't think people can nowadays, but they did. Yeah, with, with minimal weapons, maybe a, like a chair towards the end. That tug of war with oh. Dr. Death oh. and Butch was, oh. I was like, I was like, man, what, like, Amazing. Butch is... Butch is such a badass because you know Dr. Death's one of the strongest people on the planet. And Butch is like, nah, you ain't taking this chair from me, motherfucker. Bro, but that whole spot makes sense. He blocks it. Then they literally tug a war and they literally are trading kicks to the gut until Dr. Death wins, kicks him into the gut all the way across the ring into the corner, finally gets the chair, goes for the big chair shot, and Butch sits down so it hits the top rope. And then he goes, ow, my hand. And then he jumps on Doc. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's once again that's entertaining. Uh, that's entertaining in ring brawling. Yeah, which is so not a thing that happens in the last ten years. <laughs> no, right, right. Yeah, for sure. All right, all right. We're we're we've talked so much about the Bushwhackers and the Sheep Herders, but what made them great? Okay, I already said it, but it was great, sensible, and creative finishes. But what made them great? is they never rested on their laurels. You know what I mean? Like, they got over, they were the savages, but you know what I mean? For guys their size, they were always, okay, I put they were always outperformers. You know what I mean? Like, they definitely delivered more than you expected. And that, yeah, that that's just it. Literally, like, you know what I mean? That's why I was saying, like, they kind of remind me of the blondes, where it's like, never a bad performance. They always go the extra mile, even if it's, like, very minimalistic, but the matches were always fun. Like, yeah, they could have eased, you know what I mean? Like, I almost expected them to be like, oh, we'll take it easy. We're savages and wrestle slow and this and that. Like, no, it was way more than I expected. Yeah, and and I, I already touched on it earlier, but but they are they are one of one. They are the only them. There is no, there was no blueprint they were following. They made their own way. They created their own thing. Uh, they moved like nobody else. They, they, they wrestled, they sold, they, they, everything was just so uniquely them. Yeah. Uh, like perfect example, uh, superstar in Memphis. He was, uh, same thing. Him and his partner came from New Zealand, 
came over and they were just wrestlers. Whereas these two came over and go, no, 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 we're going to present our own thing. Like what a New Zealand savage is. We have no idea. They, they, they made their gimmick. You know what I mean? They weren't like, oh no, we're the next Samoans. Like, no, they were the first, uh, whatever you want to call them, sheep herders, Kiwis, New Zealand's militia, whatever. They, they, they created themselves. Yeah. And, uh, they were around for 30 plus years. Yeah, man, that's crazy. We think of the longevity and like, you know what I mean? Like I said, we had said earlier, we've seen Luke on random shows and homeboys beat up, but he'll still go out there and do stuff. It's like, it's admirable, especially when you see that, like he was usually the one taking the big ass whooping. When I read 1966, I was like, Oh, but I mean, when going through YouTube, you can find like, there's a stampede match from 74. Yeah. yeah. I, the reason I watched the, uh, the first one I watched with uh, let me see who was it again uh oh with ron star and adrian adonis was just because like uh the big tagline was like from 79 and i was like oh shit a match from 1979 i go fuck yeah let me see it yeah there's i didn't watch the one from 74 because it's just clips but it's the sheep herders against keith and bret hart <laughs> yeah 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 i saw that and yeah that was the thing too i wanted to see it, but then i was like oh the timing i go oh, it's not the full match yeah it's like two minutes but yeah i mean they were they were around for uh <laughs> Forever, forever, forever. And uh, yeah. So uh, how would we defeat the sheep herders slash bushwhackers? We'd have to force them to wrestle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, here's the thing. And like I said, me as a big fan now and who says, like, I'm sure they could do a spot match because they've got plenty of tools. But like, even though I think if you force them to wrestle, they can absolutely wrestle. I feel like that's what you got to do because obviously their bread and butter is the brawling. I just, I think, I think even if we tried to wrestle them, I think they're smart enough to brawl their way out of it. <laughs> I know. And then I even, I was thinking, I was like, oh, okay. Usually they take heat on Luke and then Butch is the hot dog. But I was like, even if, I've seen a couple where they were beating on Butch and Luke comes in and Luke's got his own things with that wacky diving head, but he does. <laughs> yeah. And, stuff. and I was like, man, they like, you know I mean? You even, I kept flip-flopping. I'm like, oh, okay, who's the weaker? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, they very much fill in for each other. I was like, oh, no, Butch is kind of tougher. But I go, but oddly, Luke's in there more. So I feel like Luke's almost slightly more the technician. And I like, I kept flip-flopping. So, but I think just to, just to disrupt them, we kind of would have to, you know, A, make them wrestle, and then A, put, put some steam on Butch and see what Luke's got. Make, put, put the onus on Luke. Bro, I don't want any part of Butch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why we got to figure out a way to get him <laughs> down and keep him down. We don't want him coming in House of Fire. Here's what I think. I think we need, uh, like, uh, the metal ab plate, like Bret Hart had that one time, or like a <laughs> D'Lo Brown chest protector, because all their offense is going right in this, right in the midsection. I know, and I'm losing my abs, so you know it, it would be things are getting rough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can't even rely on your abs to stop their their abcentric offense. I know, but yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. It would be tough because, like I said, I'd be like, "Oh, let's wrestle them." I totally think they could wrestle. Body armor. I'm <laughs> telling you, we gotta get, we gotta get, like, we gotta get strapped up here. I gotta, we gotta get like something on our on our midsections because that's where all their offense is. That's how they win all the matches, man. Battering ram, double gut buster. That and then we also need we need our own we need to have our own thirty seven flag bearers just to counteract their one. Yeah, yeah, 
and one of ours is going to be Johnny Ace, just so he can hold my flag. Oh, Johnny Ace, Rip Morgan, Jonathan Boyd, <laughs> like they had somebody Jack everywhere. Victory. Yeah, like it. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, man. Woof. We talk about a deep dive on the sheep herders slash bushwhackers. Okay, but now wait. Let me let me ask. What was your verdict? Because I went from thinking, okay, I'm 50-50 to being like, holy cow, this is one of my new favorite teams, whereas you in the beginning seemed like you were teetering maybe towards the negative. Yeah, so I I guess when I saw they had a five-star, I had myself built up a little higher on uh, what I would be getting from the sheep herders. I liked what I got, and, and you know we just talked about it all, but I, I think just the idea behind them having a, a, a like a real classic made me believe that I was going to get a bit more. Okay. Okay. I see what you mean. So that, three but years- I really, but I got actually what I had, I had thought they were going to be the whole time. Okay. I, I can see where you're coming from. Me personally, I kind of like that. There's a wacky, you know what I mean? Like it's not all Kazuchika Okada's and you know what I mean? On, on the five-star list. I like that. There's a sheep herders. You know what I mean, it gives hope for us all. I thought the go- I just thought even watching it, I-, I was into it and I was having fun. I just thought if it was going to be five stars, even after the brawling, they would. If if after they did all that brawling and they were whacking each other with that stick, if the bell never rang and they got to like a classic sheep herders misdirection finish, I think it would have taken. You know what I'm saying? I get you. I get you. Double DQ of it really was whatever, but yeah, I just think. I think uh, it, it was it was more where I thought it was going to be, and I, I set myself up a little bit. I, I opposite baby drivered myself. See, I'm just happy that you know what I mean. Like for the longest time, I've like we I said earlier, they said, "Oh, if you've seen Bushwhackers, you gotta see the Sheep Herders," and I was skeptical. I was proven wrong. <laughs> well, there it was we. Uh... We we went from the we went from Mustache Mountain to the Sheep Herders. We went from a, a a team that began in the 2010s to a team that started in the 60s. Yeah, that is crazy. And it's funny because you know they do kind of have parallels. They are foreign teams that came to America and kicked ass. So you know what I mean? Like it isn't it isn't that wacky back to back picks. It's actually not. Yeah, when you when you <laughs> when you break it down. But yeah, that was that was uh. It was definitely, and like I said, the the story of the team, uh, just watching, it's it's one that you're not going to get from just watching the matches. Yes, and I'll say this. This felt like one of like the first times where this was like a historical one that I was doing. You know what I mean? Like every week it's like, oh, cool team. Oh, cool team. Oh, cool team. Fun, fun, fun. I was like, ooh, this one. I was like, ooh, this one feels like historical. Yeah, yeah. It definitely, uh, while watching them, I was like, oh, we got to do more teams like this. Oh, we got to do, I already had, I already started thinking of teams like, that we can get some earlier stuff on and, and have some fun with. Yes, yes, yes. And I look forward to it. And you people should look forward to it as well. Look at me. I'm doing what you do at the end here and circling them wagons. But yes, that's right, folks. We're going to try and maybe deep dive into some older, more obscure teams, maybe get a little more historical. And uh, yeah, we'll see what Colin comes up with. We'll see what I come up with. If you've got any, let us know. But I think until then, what do you say, Colin? Adios. Boom!